Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Change Book Radio Show with your host, work-life fit expert, Deb Crow. Join Deb every week as she interviews the co-authors from all over the globe. They'll share their insights into self-empowerment with their personal stories and real-life experiences that will help your own personal development and touch every area of your life. Join Deb every Wednesday on Blog Talk Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Well, good evening, everyone. It's Deb Crow, and here we are almost to the end of January, January 24th, 2018, and it's just been an incredible month on the show, and I want to start off by thanking my January 2018 sponsor for the month, Executive Career Coach, Sharissa Sebastian. She's currently living in Malaysia, and her goal is to work with ambitious women and help them find clarity, confidence and courage. So I really would love for you to head over to her website, sharissasebastian.com. She's got a new webinar that she's posted this week, and she's also got a Facebook community that you can join for tips and strategies, because she is all about being unstoppable in your career, your confidence, and your success. So I've been thinking about different guests for the show, and I've had some listeners send me some emails, and I've decided starting tonight that I'm going to start incorporating different experts from around the globe in different areas. And when I first started thinking about this, this wonderful, wonderful lady that I'm going to introduce you to was the first person that came to mind. I am so honored to be a colleague and a friend of Jillian Mandage. And let me tell you a little bit about her, and then we will bring her on live. Jillian is from London, Ontario, and she's currently doing her PhD in happiness and health promotion at the University of Western Ontario. She deems to be a holistic health promoter, and her personal mission is to educate people about evidence-based health information so that they can lead a happy, healthy life. Jillian is a teacher and the world is her classroom. She teaches health and wellness on a variety of platforms, including university classrooms, TV, radio, podcasts, magazines, online, video, documentary. Jillian believes that life is a journey and she is committed to being a lifelong student. Although she is constantly changing and evolving, learning and growing, there are certain aspects of her personality that seem to be innate. So we're going to talk to her about that. She is truly a a delight to know. She's a pleasure to work with. And I can tell you that she is a fun and happy person to hang out with. So Jillian, welcome to the Changebook Radio Show. Hi, Deb. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. Well, and I already can tell from your voice that you're using those smiling muscles and executing that muscle around the eye. I can tell. 
And I just thought, what a nice way to launch my expert series and to have you as the happiness expert, because I love one of the sayings that you have on your website, and you talk about there's no way to happiness, that happiness is the way. So I want to launch into, I know you've been a student for the last decade, and I I know you've done your undergrad and your master's, but what led you to launch into doing your PhD, and why did you choose happiness. Good place to start, Deb. (laughs) So uh, my undergrad and like you said, my master's degree are in health science. And I was looking a lot, especially my master's at uh, physical activity and sedentary behaviors in kids and childhood obesity. And then when I went into my master's, I kind of reevaluated my my research program. And I, I realized that, you know, health is more than just the number on a scale. And when you look at classifying someone as obese or not, basically, they take your height and your weight and figure it out. And I took a step back and wanted to really study something that could make a meaningful impact in the life of myself, my family, my friends, and, you know, people I don't know as well. And so just because you're overweight or obese doesn't mean necessarily mean that you're unhealthy. And just because you're not overweight or obese doesn't necessarily mean that you are healthy. So I started to realize that there is more to the picture than just that. And so I dug into the literature and I really started doing some personal reflection on what matters most to me. And, you know, really about it at the end of the day, what drives so many of our behaviors, our thoughts, our actions, either on a conscious or subconscious level is our desire to be happy. And I love this idea of happiness because I see it as a very connecting universal thing. Like we all, we all, you know, have, like I can walk into any room and say the word happy and everybody knows what it means. And we all can look at someone, if they have a smile on their face, we know what emotion they're feeling, right? So it's this really cool way to, to really link us all together. Well, I agree. And one of the things that I really love about your website, I love a lot of things about your website, but Aww, when, you you. Were, when you were creating it, there's two things that really stand out to me on your website. First, I love your disclaimer that all of your photos, no matter where you're having photographs done and for what, you always have them unedited. So that's part one of my question. Why did you choose to do that? And part two is, I love that you went back all the way to preschool Montessori and you grabbed different comments off of the report cards and what the teacher said. And I just wanted to know why you chose to do that as well, because I think those are two really important values that really speak to your website and who you are as a person. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, I put a lot of thought into planning my website when I did it. And the reason I chose to only post unedited pictures is because across the board, that's my policy now. And the reason for that is, you know, I used to be a fitness model and I would go to a photo shoot. And I remember one time I stayed after the shoot and the photographer pulled up one of the pictures of me, you know, in a sports bra and my booty shorts. And he's like, watch this. And he just click, 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 opened up the picture in Photoshop. And, you know, I'm five foot three and he made me like six foot tall. And my, my, my cup size grew two sizes. My butt got bigger. I got like longer arms and everything changed just by moving things around. And, and I looked at the picture at the end and I said, that doesn't even look like me anymore. And so I thought, you know, I'm the oldest of seven kids in my family. I have three younger sisters and three younger brothers. And the idea that my sisters would look at a picture of me and want to aspire to look like that, or if they see me doing a workout in a magazine, for example, that if they did that workout, they would look that way. 
when in reality, oftentimes a lot of the images that we see are photoshopped. So, you know, I thought decision that if I want to talk about health and I want to teach health, I want and I need to live health first and foremost in my own body and live that every day. And as a fitness model, you, you prep for photo shoots. That's sort of common languaging that you'll hear where girls will, you know, a week or two or however long leading up to a photo shoot, start dieting and they play with their water levels and all this different stuff to get their body ready for a photo shoot. And I thought, you know what, the body I have every day is my body. There's going to be no prepping this body anymore, you know? So I really wanted to make sure that my energy and it was me fully represented in everything that I did. And the only way to guarantee that is to post pictures that aren't edited because as soon as they're edited, it's not me anymore fully. Right. So I, uh, I really think, and it's been a really good practice for me because it's helped me to get really clear on what it is that I want to do and how I want to present myself. And, and I feel confident in what I do because I know that that's fully me. If I'm talking about feeling really good, I am feeling really good. There's no, there's no filters there. And then the second half of your question uh, about my report card. So if you go to the about me section of my website, what I've done is I've taken little, I scan, I actually physically, you remember scanners? I don't like now I think there's apps for it. What I, I do. Did, <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's like big scanners that took up half your desk. Um, I scan what happened actually was I was at my parents' house and I was going through boxes trying to find a, a photo of something. And I came across all these report cards. And so one night, like I was just sitting around with my mom, my sister, my brother, we started reading our report cards. And as I was doing that, I started reading some of the stuff and thinking, I'm still like this today. And, and one of the things that I was thinking about at the time, and I, I still think, you know, we always hear this idea of, I want to be fill in the blank, or when I grow up as a kid, I want to be whatever. Thinking about this idea that we're always striving to become something or to achieve something. And especially in terms of personality, one of the things I've been kind of playing with the idea in my mind and trying it on is what if we were born exactly who we are and then we get in our own way, either consciously or subconsciously, we start putting on these masks and these filters to present ourselves the way we think that other people, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers here, should act or be. And so I thought, you know, it's maybe not so much about becoming something. Maybe it's about letting go and unlearning all of these things that we've picked up along the way that aren't us to allow us to express who we always were. And so when I read these report cards, that's really what it, it said to me. Like, and so I thought, you know, there really is no better way to describe someone than their grade one teacher or their kindergarten teacher. And, and I like, I look back at these report cards and I also, I find that the about me section on websites can be boring and I don't like boring things. So I was, you know, in my head trying to find a creative way to express who I am in a way that isn't just, you know, Jillian was born in London, Ontario and blah, 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 blah. So I really wanted to, to find a way to make it fun and to get to know my personality a little bit in addition to what my kindergarten teachers wrote about me, you know? <laughs> well, and it, and it goes to how you talk about yourself on your website that you are going to be that lifelong learner and evolving. So to go back and see the five-year-old Jillian and the seven-year-old and, and see how you, how, how your love of education and reading and just your personality and how it evolved. I just thought it was a really neat way and sure, and a sure way to keep readers wanting to read more about you because it was interesting, but 
now that you're doing your PhD to look back and know who the younger Jillian was and you've grown into that, I just think it's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for saying that. And it, it is. It's, it's really fun. Like if, if you're listening right now and you have your report cards, it's a really fun activity to sit down and to read through and to see, you know, where you came from, what has changed, maybe what hasn't changed and, and kind of to reflect back sometimes is, is a really fun thing to do. Now, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot and you can give me an answer. You can give me one word. What is Jillian's definition of happiness? Ooh, uh, good, good question. So, okay, I'll, I'll put on two different hats to answer this question. So as a researcher, as someone who studies happiness, I need to know what it is that I'm studying. And so we create what's called an operational definition as a researcher. And that's where we define the terms that we're using to study. Because if I'm studying happiness, I have to describe in detail exactly what it is that I'm assessing. And so oftentimes when I'm doing research, the definition I use um, sort of has two components to happiness. So there's this, the one part, which is how you feel on a day-to-day basis. And, and that can kind of fluctuate a little bit because, you know, we have good days, we have bad days. And, and yet there's kind of, so there's the up and down. We have that fluctuation throughout the day from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, we have sort of up and down. And then there's a second piece, which is kind of a through line or some people naturally, when you meet them, they seem happier than other people. And part of our happiness is uh, biologically determined and we have control over a lot of it as well. And part of it is from our parents, whatever they gave us. So some people are, we're all born. This actually, this is a fun fact, a little aside, when we are born, 3D ultrasound has confirmed that we're born smiling. So I like to take that to mean that our body's default setting is happiness. And I believe that to be true. Uh, so anyway, I digress. Back to the, the definition. So there's kind of the through line of what you have plus the fluctuations day to day. Because, you know, I'm sure if you're out there listening and you're sitting in traffic, your mood might not be as great as if you get home and jump in the hot tub. So, you know, it has those two pieces. I think, so that's my researcher hat. In my personal hat, I am really challenged to define happiness. And the reason for that is because happiness can be expressed in so many different ways. Like I think of myself, for example, if I have a really amazing workout afterwards, I'm sweaty and exhausted and yet I feel really happy. If in the morning, for example, I like to meditate when I wake up in the morning, I'll have a beautiful meditation and then I'll sit there and I'll I'll feel happy in this very blissful, quiet, tranquil state. Or, you know, I'm watching a game on TV or something and my team wins and I'm jumping up and down screaming and yelling and and I'm happy. So the expression of happiness can be very different in different situations. And the other thing that I find is that sometimes I feel like the English language can fall short in having the vocabulary to express what it is that we want. And I really believe that happiness is, is a feeling inside of us that can be expressed in different ways. And yet, it's really that feeling inside of like, I like to think of your, your inside smiling, you know, you're, you're feeling happy, you, you just you feel alive, you feel inspired, you feel there's so many different ways it can feel. And yet, 
it's sort of when it comes from that like core deep within yourself where your where your body is smiling. That's kind of how I think about it. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense. And I, I love that you always take a two-pronged approach because you'll put your academic research hat on, but then you'll always give us, okay, you know, the day in a life of Jillian and, and what that may look like. <laughs> and it, it leads in beautiful to my next question, which doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, my background is neuroscience. And I've worked with a lot of people who've had neural trauma. So I am a metacognition junkie. So I always like to keep things layman's terms during the interview. So metacognition, thinking about thinking. Do you want to know a fun fact? Tell me a fun fact. Do you know what my mom's PhD research area was? Metacognition. Do you know her topic? Yes. Serendipity, once again, big hashtag. Yes. So anyway, sorry, continue. (laughs) I, like, metacognition is thinking about thinking. And I love it because it's such a critical component to be successful in anything, specifically learning. So my question to you is, it it completely involves self-regulation, self-reflection, how we look at our strengths, our weaknesses. So when people say to me, and I know that you probably hear this too, Deb, are you really that happy all the time? Like you talk about working the happiness muscle. So I would just love you to weigh in on this because I am sure you get asked this question. And then I will share with you what my answer is. But I would love to hear yours first as the happiness expert. Sure. Uh, Yeah. So in in my experience, both personally and wearing a research hat, I so what actually one of the things when I first started studying happiness that I was actually surprised to learn was that I kind of in my head always thought the goal was to be happy and we want to be happy all the time. And I don't want to feel sad, I want to feel happy. And I was actually surprised to learn that happiness and sadness aren't two ends of the same continuum. They're actually separate constructs. So what that means is that you can feel on one end of the spectrum really, really happy and on the other end, not happy at all. A completely different construct, you can feel really, really sad, sad at all. So it's not an either-or situation. And, and we, can, we can see this in what's called a bittersweet emotion where people feel both happy and sad at the same time. So an example might be if a loved one passes away after a really long, painful battle with a terminal illness you are devastated that they have passed away. And at the same time, we experience some relief because we know that they're no longer in pain. And so we're feeling sort of happy, relieved, and sad at the same time. So what what I learned from that was that the goal isn't to be happy all the time and not to be sad. And also, the goal is not to be happy all of the time. Because if you think of it, if you don't have low points in your life, it's much more difficult to really fully appreciate the good times. So when we have these variances in our emotions, when we're experiencing times of happiness, we can really enjoy them. And so I like to think of it, the goal isn't to be happy all of the time and to welcome a full spectrum of emotions. Because I really think and believe that in order to live a fully human life and to enjoy the variety of the palette of the human experience, we need to welcome a multitude of emotions. And the question isn't blocking or 
pretending that we don't feel certain emotions. What the question is, is we're feeling feelings of sadness, depression, anxiety, anything like that. It's how do I not marinate in this emotion for weeks or months or years? So it's really about experiencing whatever emotions come to you fully and then moving on. So we're not bottling things up. We're not pretending that things aren't there. We're experiencing them and not marinating in some of the more the more, you know, I'm using air quotes again, negative or depressing kind of emotions. I kind of, I think, I use this analogy a lot, Deb, when I think about happiness, that so many people take what I call the Christopher Columbus approach to happiness. And what I mean by that is like Christopher Columbus is an explorer and he set out to find the new world. And so he set out on this quest to go find it. And a lot of people, I think, a lot of it is, you know, perpetuated by the media where we think that happiness is a destination to arrive at. Just like the quote you started when we started the conversation, it's really about, it's not a goal-directed thing. We aren't, we don't wake up one morning and we are happy and then we're there and then we're good. It's a continual practice for our entire life. And so I think instead of taking a Christopher Columbus approach, I like to think of taking a Beethoven approach. So Beethoven, I'm not referring to the dog in the movie. I'm referring to Beethoven, the composer, or music. There is a variety of notes that are played in a piece. There's high notes and there's low notes. And there's also spaces in between the notes. And those aren't gaps and things that matter because just as much as we need to experience all these emotions, we also need to have that quiet, that pause in our inner life as well. And if you think about it, like say someone played one note the entire song, it would end up just being one long continuous tone. And that wouldn't sound very good. And so when we look at the entire composition of a musical piece, together the high notes, the low notes, the spaces, the pauses collectively come together to create this beautiful music. And so I like to think of happiness like that in like recognizing that we're going to have high notes, we're going to have low notes, everything together is what collectively creates this beautiful experience of our life. Does that make sense? Well, I love it because it makes me think of a symphony and a parallel for me when you were talking is our life is a symphony because emergencies are emergencies because they just get dropped upon us. They're not planned. So it's, it's how you framed it so beautifully. We can have these thoughts, they're going to turn into actions, and then we can just kind of observe or fully control the behavior and how we respond. So mm-hmm. I may not be, you know, out there all the time with my pom-poms, whatever. I'm like you, I'm a very high energy person, but I have to manage that energy by managing my work-life balance and my self-care. So like you stringent morning routine, gratitude, reflection, meditation. I work out every day and you know, some days and some weeks, our schedules are crazy. And I say we have to allow for the ebb and the flows and go back to, okay, what are these thoughts right now? What actions can I do from this? And really just give yourself a little self behavioral assessment and Sometimes I just like to sit in quiet and and I may not be meditating or I don't want to talk on the phone. And I think it's that Mm -hmm. self-regulation that we allow ourselves because women are so busy, especially working moms. And if they don't take a minimum of one hour a day, and I always remind them that there is 24 in the day, 
If they're not able to take 20 minutes to meditate, then I tell them they need to take an hour. And it usually (laughs) takes about 66 days. And then they're like, I can't believe this. Because I know it, I know the science and I know the history from, from my own experience. Three weeks will certainly be a learned habit. Six weeks will be a fully integrated lifestyle. And 66 days, it's in the vault, it's locked, it's just going to happen. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I completely agree with you on that one. And I, I think I always try to be really clear with people, especially when we talk about happiness. I am naturally, I would say, a happy person. I like to say, look back to my report cards, my teacher said that, and I and naturally am. And I want to be very clear that I feel sad and I feel frustrated and I have days when I don't want to get out of bed and I have days when I, you know, want to wear cozy things and curl up by the fire and just read. So it's really, we all have those days. And I think, like you said, especially people that are really introverted or extroverted, it's knowing yourself and knowing what that looks like for you. The biggest question really is about dialing in and connecting with yourself and finding what your expression of you is. Because when you're in alignment with that, it really supports the, you know, the experience of happiness in, in your life, in, in your relationships, and in your relationship with yourself even, right? Oh, I fully believe that. And you know what? Crying is good for the soul. And, and you don't Absolutely. have to do it from a point of anger. And because you may feel depressed doesn't mean you're suffering from depression. And I think we all have exposure to different things in our life that will make us feel stressed that will make us feel anxious. But that doesn't mean that we have to accept those thoughts and those actions and those behaviors and give ourselves a diagnosis. It's about, okay, I call it self-audit in the moment. Like stop and pause. Mm -hmm. What's going on here? And and just go from there and move forward. So good analogy. I like that. Now I want to ask you some fun questions to let our our listeners um, I want to let our listeners know that there's been a hashtag created for you, and that's one in a jillion, which I think is so fitting for you because I I love, and I mean, I think I've I've known you, and, and we've kind of been in each other's life for about a year and a half, going on two years this summer, and I love that you you don't have one stake in the ground for what you're doing. I love that you haven't succumbed to say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. Your research has taken you across so many different modalities of media and academic and just your exposure in general. And you truly do love talking about happiness and you're always smiling. And it's just fun to see that you've taken evidence-based truths about your research and brought it into all that you do. So I just sitting back, it's always fun to watch you. And I always joke with you and say, if I ever want to know where you are, I just go on Instagram. It's kind of like, where's Waldo for me? It's like, where's Jillian, right? So here's my fun question for you. If you could relive one day of your Mm -hmm. life, what day would it be and why? Ooh. A really fun question. I've never in my life been asked that question before. Good one. Okay. Oh, that's a tricky one. I think 
I will coin your term. Did you want me to let you marinate on that for a minute? Yes, yes, please. Thank okay, you. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you marinate. Um, and this is a fun one just because of your research, and I thought it might mm-hmm. give you some fun thoughts and maybe future dreaming. If you were going to bury a time capsule, what would you put in it? Ooh. Um, okay. So what I would probably put in like uh, a CD or something, you know, how? Cause, and I say that because you're going to laugh. Sometimes when I work, I put on old episodes of Beverly Hills 90210 in the background. <laughs> That's my like background noise that I like. And they just buried a time capsule. And they put a, they put a floppy disk in. So first thing that came to mind was a CD. I think I would put in a um, picture of my, my family and my friends. I'd probably put a couple of my favorite books in there. So my favorite book of all time is The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Love that book. Read it multiple times. It was a catalyst for huge change in my life. And I just, I love Wayne Dyer and I love that book. So if you haven't read that one, check it out. Dory, I love so much. I reread Think and Grow Rich every year. So maybe I'd put that in there. Um, I'd probably put in, let me see, a cell phone. Ooh, I'd put in a cell phone um, because that might be an antique, kind of like when people talk about the 90210, or sorry, the Zach Morris phone, you know, it's like an antique. And I, I want to put like food in there so they could like, you know, like some kale chips or something like that, but they go bad. So maybe I'd put a picture of them in there. <laughs> It wouldn't last unless maybe I vacuum packed it with one of there those vacuum go. pack things that you know preserve it for a really long time. Oh, I would put in a. I got. I just got this pillow a little while ago that I'm like obsessed with. It's like my favorite pillow of all time. I think it's called my pillow, and I would put one of those in because whoever found the time capsule would be really happy to have that pillow. So um, they could they could lay yeah. on your pillow and enjoy a snack yeah. and all the books and and maybe right? try and find a device to play the CD on, right? <laughs> Very, exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's a, that's a fun question, too. What would you put in a time capsule? Probably some similar things because um, we, we, my husband and I have been together for 28 years, and you start doing some purging when you have children in their 20s like we do, and we still had some eight-track tapes. Oh, wow. And they were like, what are these? And then we had cassette tapes. And it was like, what are these? And it makes you feel very old, Jillian. And we were like, well, <laughs> when we were young, <laughs> you know, VCR we walked, tapes. We walked to school. Yeah, we walked to school both you know? uphill both ways. Yeah. Snowstorm, yeah. <laughs> I still had yeah. my Walkman. I had my Discman. <gasps> like, I had all of that. Oh, and it was like, wow. And just all the electronical cords that you have and you don't know what they yeah. go with. Um, we mm-hmm, had like a box mm-hmm. of those, so just that whole purging. So that was a fun exercise for us. And my husband looked at me and he's like, I feel old. So, and it wasn't <laughs> really that long ago. Right. So just a fun yeah, no. thing. And, you know, it would be fun to see, you know, where your research goes and, and where it mm-hmm. takes you. So, um, have you marinated on the other question? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what would you, I, what day would you relive and why? One of, one of the, like my family is really, really important to me and I really value family. It's probably one of my core values. It is one of my core values. And when we were growing up every summer, 
my family used to rent a cottage with friends of ours and it was right on the beach. And so it's not a specific day. It's more the memory of that because I just have these fabulous memories of being out with all my brothers and sisters because I'm the oldest, I said, of seven and my mom had seven kids in nine years. So we're quite close together. And so um, I, you know, I just, I actually, oh, I remember when I was learning how to drive, they set up cones on the beach and I would try practicing parallel parking on the beach, hitting the cones. And I just remember outside and we were all you know, so carefree and fun and we would play and we were running around barefoot and jumping in the water. And I just having that quality time outside in the summer with my family is just those days are really, you know, what I like life is about, you know, just having fun, playing, being in nature, being with family, social connection, all of that is really the epitome of, of happiness. So I think I'd want to relive one of those days, beach days. Well, that sounds like a fun day, and I can I yeah, can hear right? the happiness and the smile over the radio. So that's kind of <laughs> cool. Now you have an amazing evidence-based ebook that you have for free on your website at JillianMandage.com. So would you just share with our listeners how that came about and how easy it is for them to get it and download it? Yeah, absolutely. I. When one of the things that I'm asked, probably if not the most, one of the most frequently asked questions I have is, okay, well, how do I be happy? What can I do today to start feeling happier? And I, I just found myself answering that question over and over and over again. And so what I did was I looked to the research and I picked six. These are all grounded in science. They've been researched ways that today you could try this and boost your happiness. So it's not, you know, you don't have to wait six months or whatever to start feeling happier. It's slow and progressive over time. And if you choose one of these things and try it today, you'll be happier. And one of the things I, I love reading the actual research. And so if you get this ebook, it's very short. Each tip is one page long with actionable tips that you can do. I've also linked up the actual research studies in the document. So if you are that type of person that enjoys reading the one page and actually wants to dig a little bit deeper, I've done all the back work for you. It's all linked up so you can just click and read the actual research or, you know, the nice summary or both. So totally free, really accessible, easy read, and something that you can go onto my website right on the main page. It's there. Um, I email it to you, and then you can learn evidence-based ways because oftentimes for me, I, I really, especially with something like happiness, where it is a little bit more, uh, it's harder to define and to measure, knowing that there is some science behind what I'm doing helps to give me that extra confidence, or sometimes it can be a really big motivator to continue me along that path. So um, yeah, if you're out there, I hope you check it out. I hope you enjoy it because it made me happy writing it and sharing it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's short read and has some really good tips. Well, and one of the things I like is you always incorporate lots of your own photos and you have fun props and you've got your love of fashion. <laughs> and, and, that, and again, unedited photos, transparent, authentic, yeah. right? Yeah. You're not going to yeah. put yourself out there to be the Photoshop Jillian like you talked about at the beginning of the interview. And I love that, yeah. you know, you said you were the oldest of seven and that wasn't the image that you wanted for your younger sisters. And I think that speaks a lot to your character and, and your integrity, starting with your own family. So kudos mm -hmm. to you for that. I, I know that 
and again, I, I'm looking to you for the research, but my belief is that I think happy people live longer. My, my grandma had a lot of health problems. Uh, she had a disability with her right leg and her disability never took away from her happiness. Every day was a good day as soon as she opened her eyes. And I do believe even if people have health ailments, and I'm saying this from my observation as a case manager for people with brain injuries, spinal cord injuries, both, chronic pain, if people are happy and can find some little glimpse of gratitude in their day, it certainly improves their health. I do think it helps their Mm -hmm. immunity. And I know that you have spoke about this. So we've got a few minutes left. And I just wanted you because again I know you probably get asked this a lot and we're such a technology driven society and everything want everybody wants a drive-through approach to every strategy what are some strategies that you feel even if people may have a disability or let's even say uh, a diagnosis just something that they can do that's easy that doesn't have to take a lot of effort or energy or money or just giving them that element of putting forward an excuse Mm-hmm. So, yes, and, and I'll answer that. I just wanted to validate what you intuitively have perceived to be true. So when we look to the research, happy people live longer than their unhappy peers when we study them. And the number one predictor, so there was a longitudinal study done at Harvard. And what's cool about a longitudinal study is it follows people throughout a lifespan. So we can be more confident in the results because we have that temporal um, variability accounted for. And what the researchers found was that the number one predictor for long-term health and happiness was social connection. So what that means is having one or two people around you that you can go to for support and they can be there for you when you need them. And I think just like you said, Deb, we live in this technology age where we walk down the streets and we look at our phone and we sit at the dinner table with our kids and everybody's on their phone. And so I think the number one thing that we can all do today is really make an effort to connect with people. So whether that be sending someone an email or walking over to your neighbor's house or picking up the phone and calling someone, it requires effort for all of us to maintain relationships with other people. And especially in our lives, it can get really full and really busy. That can be one of the things that we let slip. And yet, if we want to do something that is really going to help with our long-term health and our happiness, it really is about cultivating those connections and those relationships with the people around us that are really important and meaningful. And if, if that isn't possible, you know, I always say like, go out and do something nice for someone else because it still creates that feeling of connection. And when we feel, we feel good, we get a boost of happiness when we do something nice for someone and that person, stranger did something nice for them. So um, those would be the two things I think, you know, either really make an effort to connect with someone you care about today and in a best case scenario, really tell them why it is that you value them in your life and also, you know, do something nice for someone else because that's going to boost both of your happiness. And fun fact, if someone was witnessing you doing that nice act for someone else, they would also feel happy as well. So you have sort of a really cool effect when you do something nice for someone else. Well, and I just want to share with the listeners, um, you know that I volunteer at hospice every week and that just feeds my soul. 
I, the executive director tells me I have an innate empathy and it's just a gift that I have been given. I have lost my parents and my, my oldest brother um, to cancer. So I think once you've been through something like that, where I found my happiness was to go somewhere where I could help others going through the same. And I can't even verbally express to you how I feel when I'm there and when I leave. I just know I'm supposed to be there. Right. You know, when you get that goosebumpy feeling of that aha yep. moment, like you're supposed to be I here, right here. Right. Yeah, I have them every week when I'm there. And Aww. to be with someone at the end, Jillian, is just an honor and a Aww. privilege. So, well, you are my favorite happiness expert. Thank you, Deb. You're my favorite, too. I just, I really, this time has flown by today, and it's, it's always such a joy to talk to you. And, and I, like you said, I can feel you smiling on the other end, too. So it's really cool. You're awesome. Well, I, I just, I wish you all the best. I know that you are on the home stretch of your PhD, and I'm just yeah. excited to sit back and see where you go, because I think it's just going to, I think you're going to go in several different directions and do many great things. And I just want you to know that I'll be sitting back and watching you with a big smile. Uh, Thank you, Deb. And thank you to all of you who are listening today, because, you know, collectively we have these conversations, we talk about these things and then together we're better. Exactly. Well, thank you. And again, it's JillianMandage.com. And you can now say that you've listened and you know a happiness researcher. Not too many people can say that. So, Jillian, thanks for your time and have a great night. Thank you. You too, Deb. And thank you, everybody, for listening. Take care. So our first show where I brought in an expert, Jillian Mandage, happiness researcher and expert doing her Ph.D. out of the University of Western Ontario here in my city, London, Ontario. Certainly someone I will sit back and watch with a big smile. She's just doing such great work, so I will be eager to see where it takes her. So I want to thank you for tuning into the Changebook Radio Show, and I want to thank my January 2018 sponsor, Executive Career Coach, Sharisa Sebastian. And I welcome you to head over to her website. We've got the info listed below our episode on blogtalkradio.com. And she's got a new webinar up there that I know you will want to watch and take some notes. And she also welcomes you to her Facebook community for tips and strategies. So she loves working with ambitious women who are looking to change their career, excel in their career. That is her area of expertise. And again, I want to thank Jillian Mandage for being our expert tonight on the Changebook Radio Show. And I will be back with you next week with another guest from the Changebook series. And I want to thank you once again for joining me and giving your time and energy into this wonderful episode. So take care, and I'll see everybody back here next week at 7 p.m. Eastern. Thanks so much. This is Deb Crow. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch-ch-ch-chum. 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.